0: Ladies and gentlemen, this is David Mercatani with another episode of Matt Chat. Today, I am joined by the newest assistant coach at Oklahoma State University, Chris Perry. Chris, thanks for coming on the show.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: How is everything going in Stillwater?
1: Uh, it's going good. Just uh, getting ready for uh, the Iowaville this weekend and just got back from Italy. So uh, it's been a you know, couple of weeks on the road and just continuing to go forward.
0: Yeah, I want to get into that stuff with you. Uh, first of all, congratulations on the promotion. Thank you. And probably more importantly, congratulations on your recent <laughs> wedding.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was a good good year for me and uh, my family, so we're excited to see what the future holds for us.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, be, before we get into the serious wrestling stuff, uh, I had your brother Mark on the show last year, and he told me about some of the family wrestling matches that I guess have gone on for years, and I guess still happen whenever your families and in-laws and all you guys get together. And when I asked him who is the, the the king of the of the room, he told me that your mom Kathy was actually the queen for a while. So I guess my first question is, can you can you validate this for me?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's always some good matches. I mean, we've had them gone for for years. It just depends uh where we're at and what house. Normally if we're at my grandma's you gotta go through a sixty four man bracket. <laughs> but uh it's uh so it's uh it's quite the tournament when we get to Grandma Smith's it's uh basically yeah you you start from a sixty four man bracket make your way in.
0: Who seeds it, Chris? That's what I need to know. <laughs>
1: Who's throwing well, the match Everybody sees it. Yeah, there's a lot of people that see it, not to really make it out.
0: <laughs> Is there, like, a specific memory or two that you could just tell us about? Because I imagine there's just got to be some great ones there.
1: Yeah, I mean, all the way up, you know, we'd always wrestle eventually it just in the living room, but they would try to, you know, not let it happen. Grandpa Smith would just get tired of watching It's like the only time we don't watch wrestling. So, <laughs> normally at those events, they try to calm them down. But, uh, they, you know, there's been Christmas trees knocked over to all kind of things. So, there's a, uh, there's no specific one that stands out. But uh, we've seen them all. We've seen we've seen a lot of good ones go, go down in the living room.
0: Do you even, like, do people like your sister and those kind of people get involved? Or, like, when she got married, does does, does the new husband have to scrap, or is there an initiation no. going on there?
1: No, once you get to a certain age, you normally just find the couch and sit down and just watch the little ones go at it. I
0: got you. You just pass the torch yeah. on down, huh? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess the obvious thing of that is, I mean, everybody knows your family. You know that your dad was a great coach. Who I actually, he actually beat the heck out of me in a seminar a long time ago, back when I was in high school. Right, and I was in Iowa State, and uh, obviously your brother was an NCAA champ. And I'm sure most people know this, but your uncle is John. So I know mm-hmm. you've been asked a ton of family questions, um, but I just wanted to know how important was it to you. just to carve out your own niche or your own history rather than, you know, just, I don't know, just be another, another member of that great family.
1: Um, You know, I, I kind of was, I didn't mind it too much. Just trying to, you know, match those things. I don't, I think without those challenges and those people in front of you, you don't really become who you are as a wrestler. If you don't have that pressure a little bit underneath you, but, I think as a person, you know, that's always been my goal. I think we're all different in our own ways, but to have those type of or have that success in front of me with Mark and John uh, being who they were, you know, especially John, I think it that's what you know helps you strive for what you're trying to get. Um, you know, obviously when I was a kid, you think a little different, and you think about how you want to be better than John, and then the older you get, you start realizing how difficult that is and how far fetched that is. You know, uh, when I got to college, how there's, you know, it's not gonna, it's probably not gonna be done. Um, but so it's always good to have those goals and you know that stuff in front of me.
0: Yeah, and it seems like, and I've heard this phrase in your guys' family that pressure is a privilege, and I think that yeah. you guys talk a little bit about that because I think pressure is one of the things that either makes people rise to the top or really makes people fold and not perform to you know, to their capabilities, to their potential.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, that's, you know, we've always used that phrase. I think um, it can make or break you. It just depends how people treat you uh, going through that pressure, you know, if they're soft on you about it or if they're hard on you about it. I think uh, for us, certain individuals answer differently. Some people, uh, you know, need need that, maybe, maybe might need to be spoken to a little softer, um, but in our family, we've always kind of been hard. Uh, we're straightforward and blunt. So you know when you when you don't get the job done, we'll make sure you know about it. and uh, and the only answer we've ever known is get back in the room and figure it out. and, and so that's how we've always kind of handled pressure and nothing easy about it. Um, pretty straightforward, almost sometimes too straightforward. and uh, get back in the room and figure it out, and that's how it gets done. You know, we don't really say, well, it'll happen or it'll come to you or, you know, keep, you know, going after it. It's pretty much straightforward back in the room, figure it out and get better.
0: Yeah, I have a lot of respect, you know, for all the folks in your family. But, it's, you know, I specifically look at guys like your father and John, and I see those guys as I guess tough love would be the best way I would describe it. Like, you know they they want they they're not going to give their opponent any excuses and they don't want any excuses and it seems like that's what you're saying that like look if you didn't get the job done we'll help you figure it out but you know they're not going to make any excuses you lost i don't care what the referee did or anything right. else you better we got to go figure out a way to make sure that doesn't happen again is is that kind of how you guys were treated yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah i think uh, that's exactly right i think there's a lot of old school mentality to us. I think you see a lot of different philosophies uh, nowadays. You know, pe- Some people th- feel different ways about um, thinking and training and things like that. Um, I think we just have the way that we know, grind it out, figure it out, uh, and get better. So, um, exactly. Yeah. On. Well,
0: I mean, for the people that don't know, in high school you were a four-time state champ, Fargo champ, junior Hodge winner. The quote one of the questions is I was getting ready to, they knew I was going to get to interview you is what was the recruiting process like for you? I mean, did you take any other trips? Was it, was it a foregone conclusion you were going to be a cowboy? And and did you make John really recruit you hard?
1: Yeah. I I mean, not recruit me hard. I think toward the end he had to recruit me hard because I was just a, you know, I was a young kid, a high school kid who, um, I think all high school kids enjoy it. It's a little bit of a fame, you know, somebody chasing you, telling you how great you are, and it's um it's a special feeling seeing these great people really want you that bad. you know some of these college coaches are somebody you looked up to, and then now they're telling you how how about how much they really love you and this and that need yeah. you and it's
0: like being the prettiest school on prom
1: night. <laughs> yeah, so it's kind of uh, it's an amazing feeling for some of those high school kids. And so at the time, it was uh, the process was a little different for me because I had a brother that was at um, he was coaching in college, and I hadn't been with my brother since I was or he was fifteen. So it was a uh, he he played a little impact on the recruiting deal, just because I looked up to him since I was a kid, but. It was pretty foregone. I mean, um, I lived here my whole life. My family was from here. Um, I made it a little tough just due to the fact that my, I'd never been, you know, I went and, uh, wherever my brother was and we had, I, I loved it and just got excited because I, but, and when it was all said and done, you know, being here and being home with family and, uh, was important to me. I just knew that, uh, Having these people around me and would always, uh, especially, you know, just having that strict philosophy around me all the time at 19 and 18 years old uh, was important for my career.
0: Well, and for people that don't know, you're not just an Oklahoma kid. You're a Stillwater guy. I mean, you grew up, you went to Stillwater High School. So I mean, like, I mean, I've been there. The high school's like a mile and a half from from the gym, right? Like, I mean, literally. Yeah. If that's, yeah, right? I think
1: it's, uh, yeah, I guess now it's about a half a mile. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could literally jog up there. But,
0: but Mark got you out on a trip out to Illinois back in your back in the day.
1: No, at that time he was actually at Penn state. So he got oh, me right. out there. Yeah. yeah. It was a long time ago. He got me out there and it was just a weekend, you know, um, a young kid getting to see a, full football stadium something different and uh i you know it was an exciting time but uh, when you get back and you think about being that far away from home and you know all the things that as an 18 year old kid you might uh get faced with and not have family there to help you through them uh makes you think real quick where you want to go
0: <laughs> yeah well, I mean, I think you obviously made the right decision. You know, you're a three-time All-American, two, two, two-time national champion for Oklahoma State. And I think I got this right. Your junior year you beat, is it Matt Brown? Your senior year was how, right? Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that I really, I mean, and you and I are friends. We've talked, but I've never asked you this. When you, your senior year, you were wrestling how, and you wrestled him two weeks earlier in the Big 12s. And you know, it, it, those of us watching were like, "You guys are going to be the one or two seeds, just depending on which way that match happened." And it, it felt like you guys had created separation from the rest of the field. There, did you did you save anything? Like, did you was there like a move or a technique or a position or a strategy or anything like that that you held out during the season and saved for the finals for him?
1: Um. No, not really. I think, uh, well, yeah, a little bit. But in the same factor, I kind of just, I did the same thing at the Big 12 tournament. I knew that um, I'd have to make an adjustment after I wrestled him early in the year. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you know, I felt his pressure and I felt this, um, you know, I felt the way that he wrestled and c- competed. You know, I've always, um, we were on the same junior world team in 2009 and we got to train together a little bit. So, um, you know, and he's an animal. I mean, watching him train and those type of things. Uh, at that time, he was in college, and he had, he had pounded me. I mean, I was a high school kid, and, I, you know, I, just working out with a guy like him was, uh, you know, something special to me to learn from him and feel the way he trained. So that helped definitely just understand how how big of a competitor he was and taking that into my senior season, knowing that from five years ago. Just how hard the guy worked and how hard the guy um, trained helped me, I think, mentally get myself ready for that match. But at the same time, wrestling him early in the year helped. But, uh, no, I mean, I think I switched a little bit of my lead leg a lot of times with him because I knew he was really good on my right leg. And uh, I wrestled him a little bit lefty, and I'm not a lefty. So, um, yeah, I think that was a little bit kind of different. A lot of people wouldn't do that. Um, I just knew where he was good and I knew I could not, uh, let him get there.
0: Right.
1: But, um, you know, I knew from the start it was going to, for me to win that I was, I was going to have to make it a mat wrestling game. Um, it's always kind of been the way I've won since, uh, way with my brother. It's just kind of where we've always grown up and been comfortable is on the mat. <laughs> and we, so to go seven minutes on, to go seven minutes on my feet with him was going to, probably be a problem and that's um most people in general you go seven minutes on your feet with a guy like him uh it's gonna take you're gonna have to get ready you know it's it's a tough battle to go seven minutes on your feet with him
0: yeah he did a great job of wearing guys out there and you know you could just see him breaking a guy's stance really slowly and methodically you know one of the things i saw and i actually talked to you about this like i don't know like a couple months after the nationals and you, I think you told me about this, can't remember exactly what it was, but that it seemed like you were really focused, and, and everybody knows that you want to score first, but that you were going to score first and really dictate the tempo for the time that you were on your feet. And you, know, you I think you hit like a back slap high crotch or something really specific that I really hadn't seen you do all year. Like, I know you're a guy that loves film and tape. Did you? Were you really thinking about that? I know you wrestled obviously in Bedlam that year, but was it – a really specific focus like from friday night to saturday night once you knew you were in the finals and he was
1: yeah um i think it definitely helped you know wrestling three times i think that obviously makes a difference as a competitor i think i've always done a pretty good job of making adjustments and seeing things that i could have did and you know um going for it but at the same time um I'd been hit for stalling, you know, in that period. So there was a, or in that match in the finals. So there was a point where, um, I had to go, you know, if I, <laughs> if I didn't, this guy was good at going forward and this guy was good at getting me on the edge. So there's no hesitation there. <clears throat> you know, he threw the, he threw an underhook, and I felt, you know, a move that I've drilled my whole, whole life. And it's just time to pull the trigger in moments like that. But, um, like I said, I don't think there was anything specific. I think uh, with a guy like uh, Hal, you just cannot take um, shots whenever you want. You get put underneath um, him in a front headlock. He's going to put wear and tear on you. So you, when you hit, you better get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so after that, <clears throat> you stayed around the program um, as a volunteer coach. Obviously, we've talked, to you grew up around the program, and and now you're in your new role as assistant coach. What, what's what been the biggest change or, um, you know, change in role for you or responsibilities from being the volunteer to an official assistant coach?
1: Um, I, I think, you know, obviously the recruiting process. Um, I enjoy that. Something I've been excited about um, since I've been out of college. I really feel like I can connect a lot of these high school kids and, um, I enjoy that part a lot, you know, getting the opportunity to watch these high school kids and then get an opportunity to uh, meet them, meet their families and learn about them. And that's an exciting time for me. So um, that's definitely been something that's changed, but I've, I've been ready for that, definitely. Um, another thing is, uh, you know, just you play a little bigger role. I think, you know, I think uh not as much working out, I guess. You're not know, on the mat, you know. Getting, uh, getting a little bit beaten up, being a drill partner. So that's, I think that's a nice thing also. But um, so now it's
0: a little fresher. Nothing crazy. Yeah,
1: nothing crazy's changed. Just uh, kind of, you know, a little more responsibility. But uh, it's kind of what I've always been fine with either way.
0: Yeah. Well. One of the things, I mean this my whole podcast started with talking to assistant coaches cuz I was one and was in and was had made a lot of relationships with guys that were assistants and I think they're responsible for so many duties like like you mentioned starting the recruiting process, doing one-on-one practices, breaking down film, sparring and training with guys finding out what's really going on in guys' lives so you can, you know, really help them get to their best, scouting opponents, running practices if the head coach isn't there, and obviously a lot of other things. What's what's one or two of the your favorite things to do uh, now as an assistant coach?
1: Um, I think, like you said, I think uh, trying to figure out these kids, you know, their minds and things like that and helping them through things, you know. I think... Um, I was just, you know, three or four years ago, uh, or uh, three or four years ago, I was feeling the same way they're feeling emotionally up and down all the time. That's college wrestling, you know? Um, so trying to uh, guide them through that process and continue to keep them fired up about training each and every day. There's going to be uh days where you obviously feel a little, little tired or, you know, whatever you feel, but you got to get them up and ready to go. And those are the challenges I enjoy the most. Um, Getting something out of every practice, whether you have a good day, you know, getting them fired up to do extra work after practice. That's kind of something I love doing. Um, I'm, I'm all about, you know, whatever it takes to get it done, but just making them understand that it's a journey and that it's gonna, there's going to be ups and downs, and let's just continue to grind through it.
0: Yeah. And what's maybe a task or two that, you know, you feel like, hey, I still have a lot of growth in this area?
1: Um, skill, definitely. I mean, uh, there's always growth for skill, but that's. I think that's one of the reasons I uh, I enjoy, I can still sit here and listen to John for hours. He's just that much farther ahead in skill than I think I can, I mean, I've ever seen. I can learn something new or learn about 10 things a day when I just watch him and uh, teach. So skill is definitely a huge thing for me. I think that's something um, I continue to love seeing and growth is always there And skill. You can learn new skill every day. Um, and then, you know, definitely I think there's, there's always uh, new things to learn, but just understanding each person individually. I think, um, that's something I've got to continue to learn. Everybody's different. Um, everybody responds differently. Everybody, some people are better with criticism. Some people are better with, um, relax and just you being there to support them and, just help them through it so everybody's different in the way that they compete and the way that they respond and uh that's something i've uh i want to continue to learn about um with each individual and just kind of figuring that out throughout my years of coaching
0: yeah this to to comment on the second part first i mean that it's obviously true right when you were an athlete there were guys on the team that i mean you're a tough love guy so if i was your coach i could kind of you know, jump on your back a yeah. little bit and you could take it. And other guys, if you jump on their back, they just fold. And yeah
1: exactly.
0: The thing, when you said that about John, I mean, I've been blessed to get to interview John and talk to him. He seems like a guy that, as great as he was, just keeps evolving and keeps understanding that the sport is changing. I mean, like, it it feels like he's still studying tape. He's still understanding that maybe the techniques that helped him win now there's counters to that and he has to relearn those counters. Just how great is his mind when it comes to to wrestling.
1: Yeah, I mean exactly like you said, he continues to evolve but um he just sees it and he changes. It's uh it's pretty incredible. It's almost uh it's almost unreal. You know, once he see somebody or a scramble that somebody's figured out for a low single He's already got the next finish. I think he was just that skilled in that position um, and all positions that he always was, you know, had an answer for you, you know, for whether you did, you know, anything, there's ways he always knew how to finish. But, I mean, I think it doesn't take him, it doesn't take him much film to watch. He can just see it and give you the answer. It's almost, like I said, it's, I don't see him just studying film. I just it's almost phenomenal just to see this is the answer and you you see him show it and then the other guy tries to do the counter to it and it doesn't work anymore so you're like well that is the answer <laughs> so it's um it's pretty incredible uh, to see some of the high level skill and how he can adapt just right there on the spot that's more that's what's more incredible to me and and uh, and he's still open ears you know I think that's important to see is that if if you kind of give even, you know, me or Zach kind of give him that advice that we might think this works better or show whatever we think might help in that position. You know, he, he normally takes it and likes it. Um, that's awesome. Or, he, or we'll talk about it. So that, that's cool to see how he can adjust like that uh, both ways.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, he's almost like a savant when it comes to wrestling. Like, a, just really, I mean, I don't know if genius is too strong of a word, but just if you can just look at something and kind of look at it one time, and it must've been amazing to have him as a coach where oh. like, you know, if, if, you know, if you and I are hypothetically wrestling and I stop one thing, you go, well, by the time I get off the mat, he's going to tell me what the next move was. So the next time I get that, I mean, that that must've been crazy for your confidence, right?
1: Yeah, no, that's what I, that's what I was saying. It's uh, you really can't explain it. Um, it's, it's pretty incredible how, you know, sometimes you hear coaches say things and even you're like, that's not the answer. Or you want to go – you want to make sure it's the answer or, um, or you want to go watch somebody else do it first and see if it's right. But <laughs> I've learned to I've learned to not question that. And just It is right. <laughs> so I think at a younger state, you start to kind of think you have the answers and then you see him do a couple things and show things and how – when you listen to somebody at that knowledge, uh, how it works. So it's pretty incredible. Like I said, it's just, he's definitely a special individual in that area of skill. I really believe that, um, he's the best ever when it comes to skill.
0: It's, it'd be hard to argue. I mean, I'm sure there's some people in the conversation, yeah. but he's definitely in it obviously. Yeah. 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 For sure. Um, I'm going to switch gears a little bit to the Naples trip. Uh, I had Obi, mm-hmm. I had Obi Blanc on the show last week, right before you guys left, and you know, he told me how essential Frank Papaleo was in making it happen. So, I mean, just tell me from your perspective. Just tell me about the trip in either the terms of competition, the, you know, the cultural aspect of it. Just what what what, what made a big impact on you.
1: Um, you know, uh, the cool thing about the trip was, you know, it was I was at the Southern Stuffle, so I didn't go the whole entire week. I showed up uh, about four four days left, so I got about four days in, but when I got there, um, you know, everybody was uh, kind of starting to make their way down to weight, so getting to see that overseas and seeing uh, it's a little bit different with the one-hour weigh-in in college being overseas rather than you get a whole day to recover overseas, so that was kind of... A cool thing to see as a coach, um I know when I was overseas it's it's different when you got a whole day. You can cut your weight a little bit differently. you yeah. can cut ten pounds in one day, so seeing these guys maintain their weight overseas it's uh and then making sure or seeing yourself under those type of environments, you know not the Naples wasn't the most beautiful place in the world um but and a lot of people here in Italy, so they think it's going to be nice. Uh, we were kind of in a bad area. I wouldn't really? say extremely bad. Yeah, Naples wasn't a five-star location or anything. But um, it was a little rundown. Um, you could definitely tell it was uh, not the nicest part of Naples. So I think it was good for our guys to see that. It wasn't too comfortable. Um, the food was great, <laughs> you know, in the hotel. The hotel was great. Uh, but once you got outside the hotel within about a mile, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was a typical overseas trip, you know, not the nicest areas. Uh, got to be careful where you're going. Um, just things like that. Um, I, I really enjoyed it for our guys. I think it was really, there's a lot of uncomfortable situations uh, that you, you're not used to going into a match and a dual meet in college um, and, you you know going building up to a dual meet in college one hour lands and all that stuff to wake up it's uh it's a lot different and it's a lot more stressful than it is going overseas as a freestyle wrestler and you you know what you're getting into before you even go over there right um you know you gotta hold you you know how to manage your weight you know you know what ma- you don't have one hour you know you don't know who you're gonna wait and draw and where the duel's gonna start so things like that um. I think it was, you know, to diet and manage their weight and do those things overseas and not have everything perfect for them Uh, and still going Russell is important for those guys in the long run, uh, getting up to March.
0: Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you was, and I think you sort of answered it was, you know, I was going to say, how did you think the trip will help your guys the rest of the season? But it sounds like they were able to deal with some, you know, abnormal and uncomfortable circumstances and. Um I remember I was talking to a friend of mine who was an assistant coach and he was telling me about a high school superstar blue chip recruit you know who has now graduated and he just said he goes that kid's not going to make it in college and I said why he goes, you know if you move his headgear and he can't find her if you know if you know if his shoelaces are tied together and he has to untie them before the match, if anything's wrong, you know if everything's perfect, he's amazing, but if everything's not perfect, you know he just he just melts and and you know it feels like at nationals like you guys have a team you know where you qualify 10 almost every time and you know maybe you're you know i'm your coach you're my coach but you know the guy you also coach another guy and i'm now i look over and zach or john are in my corner instead and i have to get used to things like that in order to be able to perform when when the pressure is there and the chips are down right
1: yeah, that's something we really stress. I think you know, learning to love to be uncomfortable is a phrase that we use a lot. You know, if you if you don't learn to love that uncomfortable feeling, this sport isn't comfortable. You know, the problem is a lot of even good wrestlers uh, they like to the, they like those comfortable t- moments because it's the one <laughs> time you kind of, yeah, one time you can breathe a little bit, um, but. I think the ones that you, when you always hear some of these great ones, the uncomfortable moments, you know, even Kyle Snyder and those guys, you know, and John Smith and Cale Sandy, you hear those guys talk about their matches that they, they, you know, that they remember the most. It's the ones where they, you know, they had to, they had to win on a last second take down or right. get it done at the end when they were exhausted. Those are the matches they want to talk about, not the ones where they, Ran out there and won ten to zero, and then jogged <laughs> off the mat. You know, um,
0: I'm sure that's the same in your career, though, right? Like, you yeah, know. <laughs> and I
1: think that, I think that's make or break uh, when it's all said and done. So those, that's a phrase that we use a lot. You know, it's easy to kind of get up for the national finals, but you got to get ready for that first round match at nationals. Maybe that you weren't ready for to be close, and all of a sudden you're in it. And you have to respond and uh, find a way. And I think those are the matches we kind of let slip sometimes. Um, You know, the first, second round matches, that they're going to be tough and that you never know what you could get into in those matches. You know, guys might bring it for one match against, you know, an NCAA guy that's an NCA champ going for a second or a guy that's favored to win. So those are the ones that are the tough ones, you know, not the ones that you have to better the ncaa finals uh, you've yeah. been thinking about that for six months
0: yeah you knew andrew Howe's was going to be a, a tough match but maybe that first round guy he's just going to throw the kids the yeah. sink at you because he's got nothing to lose yeah exactly yeah for sure well let's talk a little bit about your team and the season so far i, I went through <laughs> your guys schedule and in terms of the hardest competition it feels like journeyman was kind of the highlight and then i, I thought the trip you guys took to Northern Colorado and Wyoming, back-to-back, and I'm guessing it was right after finals week, it just felt like a really tough task. I'm sure it falls in the category of dealing with discomfort again. And you guys won both duels, but, you know, you did take some losses at some key weights. So how do you, how do you guys yeah. see that stress? And I guess you've kind of answered it, but I, my question I had written was, how do you look at creating stress for guys as a key to helping them improve?
1: I think it's huge um, you know the more you can put yourself in uh, adversity the better it, it's gonna get you know the more you're gonna get comfortable with it and national tournament it doesn't matter who you are um, if you don't have the, a little bit of anxiety or you know whatever while you're there then I don't know you're you're pretty different. You ain't because alive right when you're there <laughs> yeah when you're there it doesn't matter really who you are. You get a little bit of that, and um, you never know what that tournament can do. You just—I think—that's the best way to prepare yourself—is to be put yourself under situations that are uncomfortable all the time, and not just uncomfortable, but just a lot of times dual meets that you you don't—you know—you don't really want to get up for them mentally, but you better get up for them because something could happen like an upset or you could end up finding yourself in a dual meet like we did at Wyoming.
0: Well, yeah. Those um, guys are ex-Cowboys. They're, you know, they're coming for you. That's, you know, you, there's a few programs that are highlighted on every team schedule, you know, and you know, it's the, it's the Oklahoma States, the, the Penn States, the Ohio States, the Iowas of the world. I mean, you guys are the ones that if, you know, if, if we have a duel with you, like, dang, we got to get ready for them guys, you know, like, might even do a training cycle to peak. Uh, training cycle, excuse me, to peak for those guys. So, you know, and they were yeah. they were happy with the results, even though they didn't win the duel. I, I know that because I spoke to those guys afterwards.
1: Yeah, it, it was you know we want we those situations. Being in that elevation was tough, uh, you know, but we don't we don't talk about it much. We we're fine with it. It is what it is. Show up and get ready for it. Um, we kind of challenge our guys in those areas. Those are those are situations you should get excited about and not worry about, you know, that we're wrestling in elevation. You should get excited for the challenge. So you're competing against somebody good in elevation, and then you kick his butt in elevation and let him know, you know, not, oh, I'm in elevation. Am I going to get tired? You know, kind of get excited about the moment, you know, um, and get after it and let him know that you can beat them wherever they want to wrestle. And that's kind of the challenge we set forth for to our guys after that dual meet and before it. Um, some responded, some didn't. But I think it um, it's definitely going to help them in the long run. You know, we went up and, you know, wrestling elevation isn't a joke. Um, Let's talk about that. Uh, It's definitely real.
0: It is real, right? Like, I went to Colorado on a vacation oh, yeah. for the first day. I felt like somebody was standing <sighs> on my chest. And all
1: I was trying to yeah, do was ski. Um, I wasn't sure how real it was until I worked out with Derek White that morning and then I realized it was pretty real. Well how much of that was elevation how much
0: of that was elevation and how much of that is Derek White?
1: <laughs> it was I couldn't tell. I think it was all the above or it was just me not being in the same shape but i i blamed it on the elevation <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> you, you have that
0: there you can use that right it's but it's it, yeah. is, it is a real thing that's why the olympic training centers at colorado springs right
1: yeah yeah definitely it's a real thing but i think um it's a you know it's a challenge that we we wanted our guys to go through there and i like coach said after the dual meet uh I, I, I do this duel up here for a reason. I, I like that challenge that our guys have to go through through the year, and uh, it made a lot of sense to me. You know, I, I wrestled up in college. I remember wrestling up there, and I didn't have the best match uh, up there. I think I won, like, 9-2 to two against somebody I was supposed to attack, and I remember feeling really tired and uh, things like that. But it's just I, I need to learn those things. You know, those are things I've learned from Coach Smith and understand why he does things, and, it's important, like you said, and we went straight from there uh overseas and for a week, so going through those uh these last two weeks or three weeks has been awesome to see how our guys respond and then now head to die with this week, you know sixteen thousand fans and then uh then we're finally at home for about eight weeks, so kind of go through those four weeks of uh adversity and then going to be home for four week or uh eight weeks, and I think it'll be amazing for our guys.
0: Well, when you get done coaching, you got a career in journalism because you led me right to my next question, which is talking about, you know, you know, speaking of competing in uncomfortable places, Carver Hawkeye is about as tough as it gets. So, you know, in terms of the crowd and, you know, I mean, how that thing is actually, you know, like you walk in and you're at the top of it and it feels like people are on top of you. So, for those of us that have never done this what is it like to wrestle in that place
1: um you know it's great i i always loved it i mean some people will say you know it's crazy it's this and that i kind of always embraced it um you can let it be what it is i think all when you're in the moment it it wouldn't matter if you're in a high school gym if it's packed it feels like the whole world's on you um it's just, it depends where you're at, but yeah, definitely Iowa city's, uh, something special to wrestle at. It's always been a top place in the, uh, country. I think for a dual meet, they, their fans are do a great job there. They sell out a lot of duels. They're loud and, uh, they're ruthless. You know, that's the <laughs> cool thing about it. I, I like the best, you know, they're, they don't care. They're, they'll say what, uh, whatever they want. And that's, that's, that's something I've always actually liked. I mean, the more – I've always embraced that. Some people don't like that. I don't know. The, I was into that stuff. So nah, you, you've never enjoyed, me. You
0: never enjoyed the role of villain, Chris. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So, you know, I think that's why you come to big universities like Oklahoma State to go through these rivalries and get 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 your uh, get the chance to wrestle on a dual meet like this uh, year in and year out. Yeah. And I think the same way for Iowa. You know, I think they think the same way so when it when it's all said and done it's about these type of matches is the reason you come to these big universities and uh, want to do these things so
0: yeah for sure so i don't know how to balance this question out but how important is it to you guys to win the duel versus like okay this is another meet and we just want to continue to improve you know like i don't know if like a specific example but like you know, hypothetically, person A, like, hey, if I put this guy underneath person B, he needs to be underneath there because it might help him get better, but he could also lose the match. I mean, are you guys coaching to win this match? Or are you coaching as part of we're going to improve, and if we can win, that's great, but we're we're focusing on improvement right now?
1: Uh, I think a little both. I mean, I don't think there's a specific answer for that. I think improvement's always the key. We want to be ready, when, you know, for – Later in the year, mostly just improvement to get better as a wrestler. You know, if you're uh, not trying to improve to get better as a wrestler, I don't know where you're going to go. Um, right, right. If you're worried about, you know, just winning as an individual and that's all that matters, and it's not about improvement, you just want to win, then we're going to end up hitting the stop sign eventually, and uh, and then it, it, we're going to, you know, it's, we're going to kind of plateau there, but. We need to make sure we're always improving each and every week in and out. But at the same time, you know, these dual meets are important to us. We we want to win these dual meets. Um, you know, we've had some good ones this year. But, uh, you know, you always want to win these dual meets, especially the, uh, this one this week. You know, there's history here.
0: Yeah, um, This sure. is a big dual meet.
1: It doesn't matter what you make it. We always want to win these ones. These are the ones that uh, these situations and these type of dual meets – will make you better at the end of the year. So that's why we want to win them, not necessarily because it's going to determine who does better in nationals. It just, uh, it's the difference, you know, and it's going to make you better in the long run. And we feel it, you know, that it can really help you at the NCAA tournament.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of a weird question. and I don't know that there's a right answer. I just, but you know, like I know, like I've seen, you know, John put guys underneath guys all year even when the other guy was really good on top and it, I never asked him, but it always seemed like, look, we need to be ready in March in case we have to go underneath that guy. So and it was just my observation, yeah. you know, but anyway, no,
1: that, yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah. So I, I want to talk to you about Dean Heil. I, I think he's a kid who's just massively underappreciated. I mean, for people that don't know, he's already placed four, one, one. And, I'd be the last guy in the world to bet against this kid in his hometown in Cleveland in March. And I mean, I think he might be one of the most, if he can win one of the most underrated three timers, maybe ever. You know, what kind of kid is he? What kind of leader is he? And you know, how much will you guys miss him when the season is over?
1: Um, you know, Dean and Dean and me have a pretty good relationship. You know, he was around a little bit when I was training. So that was nice. know. Um, He's a he's a special individual, you know, he definitely is. You don't win you don't win two national titles and go for three if you're not. So, um there's just not too many people that aren't special if they're doing those things. It's just they they, they have something unique about them, and he does, you know, he's he does everything right day in and day out. So, um he's always constantly mm-hmm. thinking about getting better. Um, not just about winning you know i think that's important he's uh he's devoted himself to skill and uh learning how to get better and not just i gotta win i gotta win you know he focuses on the things that need to be done uh in order to get it done so i think he's um he's doing well uh through the process of you know trying to become a three-timer i think that's not easy um i think there's a lot of a lot of, uh, negativity there toward you know other people as he's competing for it yeah as in um you know outside people thinking he's not as good as he is whatever it is i don't know but um in losing you know he's lost two matches in a row now um and he just bounces right back he's fine you know we'll be ready to continue to get better things like that uh are what make you great in the long run and are what get it done you know luckily He's got three months to um, get it done. So, um, and he got, a, like I said, he got the chance to uh, wrestle in those uh, scenarios as in elevation in Wyoming and then going overseas wrestling. and wrestling. He lost two matches in those scenarios. In my opinion, he was right there to win both of them and probably should have won both of them. Um, but I think those are great situations for him and to realize how good he really is. You know um, that he almost he he could still be undefeated uh, by about 15 seconds in both matches. So
0: yeah,
1: you're not too much far off. It's not like he's went backwards. No. No. So and that's a confidence thing for him either way. So he's a he's a very special person. Um, Definitely will miss him after this year, but uh, definitely excited for the rest of the year with him.
0: Yeah, for sure. And that 15 seconds away from being undefeated feels like you could say the same thing about Cade Brock this season, too.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's uh, quite a few of them, so you can you can uh, really make it how you want to make it. It's just uh, we kind of – we don't make excuses about it. We just right. tell them you got beat and it's time to figure it out. So <laughs> that's how it works. There's, no, there's no you should have won or you could have won. He got beat, back to yeah. work.
0: <laughs> same same message from minute seven of the podcast. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I always saw you as a competitor as this really rare combination of a highly analytical mind along with the mentality of someone who can just be a complete savage when necessary. And most of the guys that I've talked to that were great – a lot of them really weren't analytical. They're really blessed talent-wise. I mean, they know what they do. Sometimes they can't even tell you how they did it. They certainly, you know, they're not like they just focus on I do what I do. And you know, like you know, we're talking about like the Andrew Howe match. Like how you made an adjustment. You know, you went lefty. You did these things. You knew where you couldn't be. Like you understood that in certain situations he might be a better wrestler than you, and and it was important to acknowledge that so you could end up winning. I mean, how did how do you see yourself? And I guess. What's really interesting for me to talk to guys like you that reached, you know, reached the pinnacle of the N.C.A.S. What do you think it takes to be a
1: winner? You know, I've I've always kind of I think you there's some people that uh, fight a lot of things as in I don't you know thinking that they can go certain areas in wrestling and challenge yourself for this and that I think good to do that in the wrestling room you know in situations and positions Um, but there's also intelligence giving a guy credit that he's that much better than you there Um, so I think that's also knowledgeable but um, so you see a lot of different areas uh, when it comes to that as a competitor but um, at the same time I just think the mentality for me was just hard work and uh, you know listening and developing skill I think Developing skills, the key, in learning positions, uh, and becoming who you want to become. Um, if you don't continue to develop your mind and the skill level, um, you'll you'll end up plateauing. You know, um, you have to be willing to adapt and change, and you have to also be willing to uh, give give your opponents credit in certain positions and know don't be there. So, I think, like you said, being knowledgeable in the sports it's a key but at the same time um you you can't be stubborn you have to be you have to be willing to adapt and adjust at all times
0: yeah yeah and it's well said i mean I remember i talked to john one time and he actually like i I want to say this say this statement with all respect to john smith he had the stones to say to me that he thought some of these guys now might be better than than he was and i just looked at him like he was cross-eyed and I mean, I get that the sport evolves, but I can't imagine John Smith, if he was around in the 2000s, wouldn't have evolved with it and, you know, found a way to be just as great, you know, so, but you're right that the evolution is key. So, you know, I, you're a young guy. What are you like, 27 years old, give or take?
1: Yep. So yep, 27.
0: What are what are the long-term goals for you? Is it are, you know, do you eventually want to be a head coach? Do you, do you want to be in the RTC world like your brother, Mark? You know, where do you see yourself maybe in
1: 10 or 15 years? Uh, you know, just whatever, wherever it takes me, really. Obviously, coaching. Um, I want to continue to coach. Um, I think one day, whenever I learn, I'm, I'm a long way from it. I think I just got to continue to learn and develop as a coach. But, uh, you know, one day I would love to be a head coach when I get older but at the same time, i got a I got a long way to go. It's my first year in the assistant role. Um, just kind of developing my mind, um, learning from whoever I get around, you know, from, you know, any people in the summer uh, with RTCs going around, getting guys ready. Um, and obviously I, I get the opportunity to learn from John day in and day out, so it's a special thing to me. Um, you know, i got a long way to go in that aspect of uh, continuing to build myself and as a coach and learning from uh, how to help these kids uh, develop each and every day. So wherever it kind of takes me from there, I'm willing to – I'm excited about that journey.
0: Yeah, and, and obviously learning from John is something you, you realize is a privilege, but you also have a great relationship, it seems like, with Espo. I know you and Caldwell are friends. And everything I've heard, Isaac Jordan's been a real, real positive addition to your guys' staff as well.
1: Yeah, yeah. Me and Zach, you know, I've been Zach's been around my whole career, so that's been uh, a huge benefit. So we know each other, um, and he knows me as a competitor and as a coach now. So it's uh, that's a I'm very fortunate to have that. And then me and Tyler, you know, it's we train together, so that's special. We have our own bond there. And Isaac Jordan, obviously, has been great. Um, having somebody else from a different school has been something we've enjoyed a lot. And also learning from him and learning the philosophies that he kind of went in, the matches thinking. And he's uh, he's a very smart and intelligent. He means you know, a lot, you know, just understanding things. And he still knows a lot, a lot about these uh, kids, uh, each weight class that I kind of maybe don't know as much about in college still. So um, he's been a great, you know, Isaac is, uh, he can, he can still train at every single day. And <laughs> me and Zach don't love to train every single day. So that is, uh, that's good to have him in there too.
0: That young blood is good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, real good. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I really appreciate you being so generous with your time. I know you guys got Iowa this weekend and a million things going on. I really just want to thank you and your family for the kindness that you've shown me and my parents. I know my mom and dad always look forward to seeing you each summer, and I just truly appreciate how how good you've been to them and me. And um, I wish you guys the best of luck, and I know I'll see you down at Tulsa at the Big 12s. Sweet. Thanks for having me. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, from Oklahoma State, that was assistant coach Chris Perry. This is David Mercatine with MapChat. We'll speak to you all next week.